What's good? We are here, Agent Talk Podcast. I'm here with a special guest, Woodrow Grady, aka my pops. He is in the building. We were able to get him on the podcast. Thank you, thank you. I guess we'll kind of get straight to it. So, Dad, uh, you know, we talked about GSA on here before. Yes, Obviously, you're a big part of what we're doing. When we'll just rewind the clock back to 2017. Okay. The car ride to Tallahassee, I was kind of voicing my frustrations to you about the previous company I was working with, right. certain faults I had saw in the industry, and you really planted a seed and you were just like, why not start our own? That's right. For you, I guess give a little background, like, why do you think for you, you had the mindset that we could do this on our own? Well, you know, the reality goes is that I always knew this is something that could be done. Over the years, uh, me coaching all-star football, seven-on-seven, seven, and the, all the guys that that I had sent to both college level, collegiate level, and then the number of guys that were drafted first round, the guys we sent to the league, you know, I had been asked by a number of different people. Number one, do I want to coach college ball, which was an emphatic no. And number two, why wouldn't you want to represent the guys? And and I was like, I'm not young enough. That's a young man's game, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. To do it right, I think it's something that you would want to get somebody in their mid-20s or before they turn 30, getting to move forward in that process, understand the effort that it takes to do it. Um, because I know it isn't easy. And my guy was a guy named Eugene Parker, as you well know. Uh, Eugene was not only uh, he was a good friend of mine, and we discussed a number of things like the agent program. And when I saw you and your ability to communicate, you're being an economics major at Vanderbilt, let's, let's, let's lay it out, right? Mm-hmm. You played ball, you had the intelligence and the smarts to understand the finance part of the game. You, with my relationships with a number of people, you were in a great, in a catbird seat to be able to pull this off. Right. So for me, you know, this wasn't a stretch. This was, you know, my son, for one reason or another, wasn't going to be able to play in the league. Um, I thought there would be two, three avenues for you. God is my witness. I always thought there would be three avenues. Either you're going to play ball. Either you're going to coach. Either you're going to go work for an agency or, in fact, for it to be your own company. Right. Those those are the things that we talked about. I mean, when, we're, when you were in high school, we always talked about you taking over my company. Right. And what was the name you always called it? So my dad has a company, Freedom Solutions. That's right. And I remember watching Spider-Man. This was the OG, Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man. And I really liked Oscorp. Are you funny? You know, I, I really liked Oscorp. And I always loved the fact that even, you know, they were the villains right. for Spider-Man. But the Osbournes. It was father and son, you right. know, granted a little different, you know, they had a different dynamic. But when I saw like Oscorp, you know, they got their own building, it's named after them. And I will always say I was going to name something Grady Corp. That's right. You know, that right. since little, since little, you know. No, you believed in it. Yeah. That's what, and, this was so, maybe middle school. Well, that, and that's what I'm saying. This is not a stretch. This is, this to me is something that was um, already foretold by both of us at different times. Yeah. You know, you got to have a, not, you gotta have a vision. 
before you can have passion, do something, you have to have the vision mm. of what who you are and what you potentially can become. And then that passion gets built up and ingrained in you. And then it becomes the fruits of your labor. You know, actually going out, making it happen, being blessed enough to do it. You know, God always says, uh, you know, walk by faith. Not by sight. Yeah. And death, you know, my, my, my part of it has always been, you know, faith without works is dead. So when you put all that together, right? Yeah. When you truly understand the message, it's real simple. The blueprint is out there. O only for us, we our ability to, to recognize it and then embrace it and then go out and execute it. When do you think, like for you, like a little bit back your background, you know, you're from Florida, Titusville, somewhat Miami as well. Um, you know, you grew up not in a situation where a lot of people would consider it advantageous but you know you really got it out the mud right and i know you know you for those that don't know like you started your own company with freedom solutions in 2003 when do you think you got to the point for you like i i think we live in an age where a lot of people are fearful almost to go out on their own uh, i was talking with my good friend drew and he was just saying you know for me i was blessed to be able to have an experience where my father showed me what an entrepreneur looked like showed me what a ceo a businessman, someone different than the mold that society teaches you. When do you think you got to the point along your journey that you realize I don't need a boss. I can do this by just following my vision. Honestly, this may sound a little far-fetched to those who, who really don't know me. My upbringing, I grew up, I always had, you know, I grew up with nothing. It was nine of us in a two bedroom, one, one bath duplex. The address was 622 Browns Avenue in Titusville, Florida. Never forgot the address where I was raised into, right? When you have a lot of siblings, older, and they're all those next to the youngest, you know, if you don't learn to eat, you don't learn to, to get out there and make it happen. My family was, my, my siblings all older, older, older than I was. So for me, growing up in that, growing up in that household, it was always about getting out, making mm -hmm. something happen. I mean, come on, how many people can actually survive and then continue to move forward? Nine bedroom, two, nine, you know, nine kids, two bedroom, one bath, duplex in a project. Very few, they would think that, you know, either we were selling drugs or do something else. My mom wasn't built that way. Mom was like, get off your ass from work. Right. My mom worked three jobs. So for me, when the answer to your question was that, for me, I'll never forget it. I knew that I wanted to do my own thing because my mom always worked for somebody else. And I was like, I'd be damned if that was gonna be me. Mm. You know, when you see your mother going um, to work at a social service center, they're going to clean houses, washing somebody else's dishes, cleaning somebody, somebody else's underwear. I mean, if that don't fucking make you want to, excuse my language, if that doesn't make you want to get up and do something not only for yourself, but more importantly, for your family, I don't know what it will. And that's just the God's honest truth. So for me, haven't seen my mom clean houses for people that were uh, middle to upper class all those years was for me something I always strived to be that I was going to get out, bust my ass, make something happen. Buy my mom a house. I did that. Right. Make sure she's comfortable. I did that. But it was always something that I wanted. Knew I not just wanted to do. I knew yeah, I had, had to, to do. I had no choice. Yeah. I mean, so. I believe that your upbringing, your upbringing itself helps somewhat define you. But I'm a big believer. The only person that truly can define you is you and God. Right. I mean, that's like, 
you don't always talk about our self-esteem, right? Your self-esteem, when people talk about people have low self-esteem, and I say, how could that be? My self-esteem is between my relationship between me and God. Mm. Nobody else can define my self-esteem. My self-esteem. Yeah. I mean, it's mine. It's personal. Yeah. It belongs to me. Right. It's so self. Right. That's yeah. right. I mean, by definition, right? So when you break it down like that, so for me, as a kid, I always knew it was going to happen. No different than I could honestly say, I knew we were going to do what we're doing now. I mean, we're, this is just the beginning. We're just scratching the, yeah. scratching the surface. Right. I tell people all the time is that, you know, no joking, but, you know, you take my hustle and my game from what I had and pass that on to my son with his, his, his intellect and his knowledge, ability to articulate, be able to have a relationship with those who play ball. Um, I believe that the opportunity for us is endless. Our greatest challenge has not been the athletes over the years. Our greatest challenge has been the parents. Of the I athletes. was just about to say that it's been the parents. It's the parents. What do you, why do you think, like, because one thing that you said early on is you felt, you feel, and I feel this way, that being an agent is a young man's game. You know, the athletes, you look at the recruiting cycle, you recruit guys coming out of college. These guys are 20, 21, 22. Most agents are, you know, 40, 50, 50 60. 60 years old, right? And, you know, along, and I've talked about this on here, along in the recruiting trail is you run into a lot of parents that they use the word experience, the, oh, you're so young. Why do you think for you, you see past that? Like, and why do you think a lot of parents can struggle to see past that? I think it's a couple different things. I think, I think a number of parents are very myopic, you know, very narrow-minded for what they see. Because what they believe an agent should be, let's end that. 95% of all the agents out there, the ones that really run into programs are affluent white males. And yes, there may be some brothers that are on that staff, but very few of them are vice presidents. Mm. Very few of them are run a division. Okay. So let's understand the hierarchy itself. So their vision is something that has been generated just like we do in society that the people that run Fortune 500 companies, the majority of them are white male. So that is a continuum, right? Across I mean, the board. Across the board. Systematic. Let's, let's, so, you know, this, you know, that's not racism. That's not discrimination. That's truth. That's factual. Yeah. Right. So when you when you understand how the ground is laid for you, then then for us, you look at the parents who don't know any better because they have grown up in that same era whereby the people that are running stuff don't look like us, don't have our same color, may not speak like us or have an educational background. The thing with you is that you not only talk like them, you're a very articulate speaker. You went to Vanderbilt University, one of the top 15 schools in the country, and you played in the SEC, one if one if not the best league in, the, the in all the co- or, or you NFC, both, AFC, SEC. Yes, sir. Yeah. All day long, right? Yeah. So, so when you look at that, you know, you're a composite of everything of which one would want or desire to run a, comp- a corporation and play in this game. You're built for it. You're always built for it, you know? And the fact that you accepted God in your life, that just that's just like the boom. Yeah. You know, it's like it's like it's like um a martini explosion. You know, do you want a little vermouth? You want an olive, or do you want one with blue cheese in it? Plain or with blue cheese in it? But my point is still the same is that you were groomed and built for this. A lot of parents themselves had a vision and still do have a vision of what it takes a person that they look for to run a business, and therefore my son should be incorporated with that. 
But here's the thing I challenge him on. Here's the thing. Check this out. Let's, let's, let's be one of them. Do you know how many kids that I actually helped and our team helped get scholarships to go to college? Mm-hmm. When nobody else, <clears throat> be it black or white for that matter, because the majority of coaches that we had in, in, a, in the Bay Area, I Bay Area anyway, let's be honest, some of them were a lot of assistants, but there's only like a handful of black head coaches out of the 30 or 40 schools in the Hillsborough, Pinellas, right. Pasco yeah. area, right? Yeah. How many times have we helped or I've helped or our team have helped take a kid to school, help provide for them one way or another, and then deliver on the promise that, listen, you come play for us, you go get, you do well in school, I will help you as a team get you a scholarship. Right. And have done that over and over and over again and help take care of not only the, the kid, uh, even help financially family, help, 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 help take care of the family, right? You and I have done that. I mean, you know, I've done that over and over again. Right. And then once, and I've always said the same thing. That goes from Dante Fowler, Vernon Hargraves, Derwin James, the Griffin Twins, you name it, all of them that played for me. I've always told them one thing. Only thing I want you to do is when you're done, you make it, do yourself a favor. First rule is you take care of yourself, self-preservation. If you can't take care of yourself, you sure as hell can't take care of no one else. Right. You know that now, but more than ever, yeah. the birth of your son, right. my grandson, right? You know what I'm talking about. But until you can take care of yourself, you can't take care of others. So that's the first rule. And then after that, if you're blessed enough to make some money, then do yourself a favor. Take care of your mama or what parental person that was there to help guide you or lead you on the way. Right. But as far as Coach Grady goes, you don't owe me nothing. Yeah. I've never had one of them, not one of them. You can ask Dante, Vernon, any of them. Yeah. Ever buy me a damn thing. Yeah. Guys not that it, have gotten paid millions. Dante just signed a three or $48 million contract. Vernon got re-signed with the Texas. You name it, but that's not me. I got my own money. I've been blessed. I have my own money. My thing is to continue to grow. But my point with all this is this. When they didn't have anything, we were there for them. And then when there was time for you to become an agent, and then for you to have a discussion with the Griffin twins, or even a subsequent discussion with Dante, listen, if you're not really happy with your agent, you know, at least let us let, let us market you. Let's yeah. market with you. Uh, or or with Vernon. Love, love, love Jackie, love Big V. But little V is on a different level, and that's his thing. But my point is that people that you we've helped over the years, you know, with all due respect, they don't even look our way. Yeah. And I'm still gonna pray for them and I'm still gonna wish them well. But I'd be damned if I pick up the phone and say, listen, I need you to help me because I helped you over the years. We ain't built that way. I'm not built that way and I know damn well you're not. So for those who've already out there that know that we have been there where nobody else was, and now we're here right for you, we're here today to not even pick up a phone to say, hey, how you doing? How's everything going with Josh? Yeah. Is there anything I can do to help my help him out? Didn't never not, not asking for a commitment or a handout, but a general conversation. Right. How many phone calls have you taken from any of those guys? No. Not a damn call. I don't, it's even, it's not even, to me, it's not only that, but the guys that we have looked out for, recruited, and you get to the point where it's like, all right, now it's time to, you know, make some bread together. Not only that, but not even to have a phone call to say, hey, I'm not signing with you. That's the second part of the discussion, though. First part is the ones of which you know already made, and they've already made it. And then literally they know in the position that they're in the ability to be able to Help the help. program, help the program even, let's accelerate it faster, right? right? Then the other part, the second phase of it is the guys of which we already talked to today, love them, but 
I can't hate. Well, what I was. You not, can't help on the kids because the damn parent. Well, I can't. Whether it's Vernon, whether it's the twins, whoever. Two things I will say with them. I can't have any hate for them. One, parental influence. Always. Two, at that point, <clears throat> we were not where we are now. That's one thing I will say. We were not. There was not like. But I'm not talking about their ability then to sign with us. That's not what I'm referring right, to. Right, for sure. What I'm referring to is the ability to pick up a phone and just say, hello, how you doing? Yeah. I think what's worse, though, is the guys in the last, you know, two years, the last year, guys that, you know, I understand, like, when Vernon was coming out, whatever it might be, I even the, now, we, we Dante understand. wasn't there, and I get the twins. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's the guys who, you know, I ain't going to say no names. I'm not going to out nobody, but it's the guys that we've known since they were 15, 16. 14 years when, old. When the agency was two years in, That's right. three years in, That's right. who won't even have the respect to call me and say, hey, Grady, thank you for all you've done, right. but I'm going to go another direction. You know, to I've me, heard, that's where the disrespect comes. Yeah, not only is it disrespectful, I don't know how many times I've had Danny Lacazio say to me, mm -hmm. say to me, coach, they don't call you because they're embarrassed. They're embarrassed that, or they're afraid that they disappointed me. Yeah. And I was like, it ain't about me anymore. Truly, it is. It's my son's running the company now. I'm going to be here financially help out to be able to promote in any way, fashion, or form, right? But you don't have to call me. It isn't about me. It is your company. Yeah. And for them to not to pick up the phone and call you directly, of which you were like a bigger brother to them. Right. Of which you were like a guiding resource as you move forward. And, and then to hear that they're going to go with somebody else. And the reason why they're going with someone else is because their mom, mm. for the most part, let's knit it out. Their mom or their dad either took something or the mom and dad uh, felt like you weren't old enough, that you weren't old enough. And I'm like, how old do you have to be able to sign to read a contract to get it done? Yeah. Last I checked, you got a master's degree. Right. right. Past agent exam. Past agent exam. 90 something percent. Missed how, one how question. Miss? One. One question. Yeah. You were done a three-hour exam. How long did it take? About an hour and a half. Come on now. Yeah. So when you look at that and you look at it, says says, says that um, was Bill Gates not smart enough? He was young yeah. enough to do it. Yeah. Steve Jobs not smart enough? Was he not young enough to do it? He did it. Yeah. You know, to look at that, your boy owns Facebook. Was he not smart enough, young enough? I think. Mark Cuban. Come on, man. With all of them, what I've realized through it all is that God has been telling me is that God gave us the vision. Yes. He didn't give them the vision. Agreed. And when he gives you the vision, you just have to trust in what he has shown you and step into that. Right. What backtracking, there's a conversation you had with, I believe it was your uncle going to college, college application. You know what I'm talking about? Of course I do. Can you touch on that? Sure. I'll never forget it. I was uh I was in Miami. I was staying with my um my cousin Scipio. Not my dad, I was staying with right. cousin John. And I was, and I had, uh, and then I left, and I stayed with my sister Zora, and was trying to do an application. I didn't have any money. I needed to do an application for college. The application was seventy five dollars, seventy five dollars, and I went to see my uncle Eddie Lee, Eddie. And uh, the net of it is that he was very well to do. He had a Jag in the driveway. Um, caddy, big house, 
Oh. Everything you could have asked for. Yeah, you know, before, yeah. you know, before everybody had a had a flat screen television, he used to have a projector in the, in the living room, click a button, the screen comes down. We watch movies, right? Yeah. So he was very well to do. Let's just net the shit out. And he and he owned his own lawn business, not just a small lawn business. He did everything down in the Gables and Coconut Grove. If you're familiar with the area, they're very affluent. He wasn't just doing residential, he was doing commercial, he was doing it all. And I asked him for $75. And he responded, his response to me was that he had a son, that he had to take care of his other son, my cousin Dem, and that he couldn't give me the $75. Now this guy got it all. But he couldn't give me $75 because he was talking about Dem. And I knew damn well Dip had money, right? Dip know he had money. And he wouldn't give me $75. I didn't ask him to give it to me. I asked him, could he give me the money in order for me to go to go to fill out the application and I'd pay him back. Yeah. And he told me no. How do you think that has affected, like, for those that don't know, so my dad coaches Team Tampa, multi, you know, national championship, seven on 17, has, he just kind of talked about it, produced, helped, you know, guide X hundred plus guys to college. You said hundred You know, numerous draft picks, first round draft picks, top 10 picks. How do you think that moment affected what you currently do for these kids? Well, listen, I ain't gonna lie to you. It, it burns, it burns in me now today. Even sitting here talking with you. You know, for, 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 for those who have, and you see a young man, I was 17, going to turn 18 years old, who just wanted to go to college. And for, for somebody who was family, it wasn't like I wasn't family. I was family. I wanted to go to college, and you wouldn't give me $75 to do an application uh, to, so that I can do it, even if I was going to pay it back to tell me no. That just instilled something to me. I would never, number one, I could never do that to, to a family, let alone a kid that I knew that wanted, that was trying to get an education, that was trying to better himself. And I got it. Yeah. Even if, you know, if I got it, and if I can help bless somebody else to do better, to improve upon my family, our family, and therefore that seed continues to grow, why wouldn't you do it? Right. To me, I never understand it, never will. Number one. Number two, I've always used that as something that every child or every person, a kid that ever played for me, be it whether or not he was good enough to go get an athletic scholarship, academic scholarship, if he needed a hand, you know as well as I do, I will do everything in my power to help. Right. You know, it's one of those things that I've, I've drawn a line in the sand with some of them. You need some, you need some financial assistance. Come cut my grass. Come help me trim the trees. Right. I own ten acres. You, that's a lot of damn grass I that it needs right. cut. Yeah. Right. You come wash my car. But you're still giving them an opportunity. I'm giving them an opportunity to earn it. And yes, if they did it, and and as, as opposed to giving them twenty bucks, I may give them a hundred dollars. Right. Right. The point is that you got to, you know, you always have to provide a little bit more for kids if you can, but you also make them work hard for it or do something for it. Right. So I believe in both. And the ability for some, you know, for somebody that can, like him, that I know had money to not to not be able to help further me and what I wanted to do, I could never do that to a kid. Yeah. And yeah, it bothers me. Yeah, I can see it. And one yeah. time, one time, every time I thought about it, he used to bring tears in my eyes because I cannot believe that somebody, somebody who had so much, would do so little. Yeah, that's just the truth. That's I think even when you look at the world today, it ain't just him. That's, no, it's, that's, it's, it's, see, that's part, that's that's part of our problem. It's like you take a look at the environment and what we're in right now. You know, I think 
for me, it's like Mark Cuban got it right. Mark Cuban is still in, still Paying financially. He's taking care of his employees. Yeah. You know how many billionaires out there that have that have decided to furlough other people so they can collect unemployment? I was reading. I was reading thing today talking about the guy who I believe he owns the the, the Houston Rockets and he owns Landry's and some other mm. some other stuff. How he furloughed forty five thousand people so that they can be in the head of the line to collect unemployment, but the some bitches worth four point five billion dollars. I'm worth four point five billion. I got forty five thousand people. Why couldn't I give up? Why wouldn't I give up a hundred million dollars of what I have? Right. To take care of these people. That there's a I had actually read an article. It was this guy talking about the I don't know what company, but he's talking about the financial crisis in 2008, and he was saying how talking about how his company made it out of it. He said he his salary, the owner's salary, I think was like two hundred eighty-eight thousand dollars. He said he instead of firing his employees, he reduced his salary for the rest of the year to ten thousand dollars, and. Seeing that in a leader, and I think it's the same way, whether you're a coach, right. whether you're a parent, whether you run a company, whatever it could be, when those under you see you willing to sacrifice, they are going to be so much more willing to put in the work for you and to follow your lead. Right. I wish more people realize that we have too many bosses, not enough leaders. And I think that's the issue. I, you know, it, I don't think those who have the kind of money of some of the executives have today truly understand what the average American, the average worker has to go through to mm. be able to, to live and survive in the world that we live in today. Right. I mean, you're paying somebody $12, $13 an hour and you expect for them to be able to take care of his spouse. Hopefully, I guess most part, that person is probably working. But also those who may have children, who has a house, a car that for them to get back and forth to work, to provide food on the table, the price of you know, oil and gas it is today. I, I to me, I just don't. I don't. I would never. I would never get it. And I personally, I would never want to get it to understand why that was acceptable for anybody. Mm. Because if you know, I, I firmly believe that God has blessed all of us, and for the things that we give and you do, I believe in the blessings of ten times, a hundred times over. Yeah. I believe in the fact that you know forgiveness. Who, you know, don't forgive a man seven times. You give him seventy-seven times. Yeah. You know, and I believe that it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man. Mm, enter into heaven. Enter heaven. I believe that. I mean, those are things I've learned when I was a child. I still believe that. And I believe all is true. Yeah. So I agree with everything that you just said. I think it's imperative, you know, to be able to have those basic principles and foundations. I mean, everything you're saying goes back to what the word says and it's truth. And I think, you know, when you are able to operate in that, you see how God rewards you, you know, from listening truly to just to what he says. So for you, you know, now you're you're in a spot, you're doing what you're doing with Team Tampa, and you've had what a lot of people would consider a successful business career. What is the next step? For you, you know, what is it that drives you to continue to push the vision forward and whatever that looks like for you in your life? Well, there, there's two things. There's two things um, that are driving me now more than ever. First and foremost is GSA. I mean, without a doubt, uh, a father 
if he doesn't teach his son everything he knows or give his son every opportunity that he can, then he has sold himself short. Additionally, not in, in addition to you, right? So my thing is that is, you know, I'm now living a little differently. I want to see you succeed, and I want to be able to help provide whatever I can offer to to see that happens. I mean, if that's uh, financial, emotional, um, just general support, whatever it is, that is number one with me. Secondary to me would be the the partnership and the things that I'm doing uh, with Charlie Dean and investing in cancer-related companies, cancer-related businesses, because my dad died on December 9th, 2009. Uh, He had lung cancer, he was in remission, he was in a hospital and had a heart attack. And quite frankly, he had a heart attack and he passed. Hell, we didn't even have a, 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 you know, they talk about DNR, they didn't even know what DNR meant. Here I'm thinking I'm highly educated and the rest of that. Mm-hmm. And then by the time they asked me, he had already his 10 minutes was done. He was gone. So we never put in place to be a friend to be resuscitated or not. Mm-hmm. And it was always listed, if they don't do anything, it's a DNR. Do not resuscitate. So he wasn't resuscitated and he passed. That to this day bothers me. The fact that you have a chance to be there to help out and you weren't smart enough education-wise to know better, right? Mm-hmm. And then you understand the 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 cause of his death, the cancer itself. And, you know, we spend more money on, let's face it, we spend more money keeping a man having an erection than we do in things of which we could do to help benefit mm-hmm. us in other areas, yeah. like be it cancer. Yeah. Hell, why we can't even cure coming COVID, we're, we're curing a, an erection for a male. And I'm a male. Yeah. I don't have that problem. Maybe that's why I'm more passionate about why are we doing this? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's even, like, one thing, it's a little off a tangent, but in light of everything going on, you know, with the coronavirus, one thing that was interesting to me, and I don't know if this is still the case, I want to say this was about two weeks ago, and this person was saying, how is it that we are closing gyms, churches, schools, libraries, but abortion clinics were still open? That's crazy. And they were deemed, quote unquote, essential services. That's crazy. And I think it just shows the backwards nature of just the, I mean, it's a fallen world, you know, the world that we live in. Uh, let me ask you this question. So what would be, I guess, if someone maybe sees you, draws an inspiration from this episode, they say, you know what, you know, I come from whatever background, I have whatever dreams that, that await me and I, I want to succeed, I want to achieve and I want to do great things in the world. What would be one piece of advice that you, even me, like I'm 30 years younger than you, right? right. What would be one tip of advice that you would give to somebody my age that's trying to move the vision forward. I think I think uh, you validate what you're truly passionate about. We all have different thoughts and ideas of things that we like to do. Oh man, I like to do this. I think I can make money doing that. But truly validate what the vision is, right? Because too often we get caught up in the wind where this sounds good today and then tomorrow mm. or two weeks later, something else. And what you have to do you have to peel that onion back, truly find out who you are in, within the, yourself. Right. And that helps dictate what you're gonna do next. Because, you know, if you go, it's called like being self-aware. Yeah. Now, I know who I am. So once you know who you are, truly know who you are, that's when you can know whether or not this is the right step for me or the next move for me, or this should be something I should go at 100%. Because too often we have these visions 
of what we want and what we potentially could do. And then a bump in the road happens and it's over. Yeah. We move on to the next thing. That to me told me in the very beginning that we didn't have enough depth and self-awareness of who we are and what we truly wanted yeah. to begin with. So those are the things of which we fall off on. Those are not what I call like Jordan talk about how many jump shots he missed until he made until yeah. he made one. That scenario with Jordan is different because it's different from one's perspective. Jordan shouldn't have shot to win one ball game to help dictate wins and losses. Right. But he's still getting paid the same money whether or not he made that shot that day or not. True. The moves that we make today can determine the outcome of financially us being able to be stable not for ourselves, but be enlightened and be greater by taking care of our family in the future. Yeah. So you can't do a direct comparison between the two, but the analogy is still right. somewhat the same. So let me ask you this. You said you talk about validating, you know, yeah. your vision, who you are. And someone asked, you know, who is Woodrow Grady? Who is he? Woodrow Grady is a person that loves God, loves his family. He loves people. More importantly, I love I love to see a child grow up and prosper. Not just my own. Yeah. All children. That's God's honest truth. I mean, I got this thing in football we talk about all the time. Is that once that kid comes on that grass between that white lines, yeah. he belongs to me. Mm. That's why I sponsor and I pay for everything I do. I don't want anybody else's money because for me, once I cross the line, that's mine. That's my chance to yeah. help him if I can develop and shape him to being a, a young man or young woman for that matter, to the person that they should be. So for me, my, my legacy, if I was gone today, whatever is that, I want everybody to know that my love for children, my love to, to see see all children succeed in life. Yeah. Black, white, Puerto Rican, Mexican, it doesn't matter. That's truly what I want. I want to see I want to see that poor child grow up and be happy. Because yeah. guess what? That poor child used to be me. Mm. You know That's what I mean? Yeah. That's good. Last question I got for you. You've done what I think a lot of people would consider. You've done a lot. You know, you've been to X places, you've had certain endeavors, you know, you've had your successes. What would you say in this moment right now is one thing that you are most grateful for? Man, that's easy. I, I came, I drove 600 plus miles. 10 plus hours. 10 plus hours. Yeah. To see my grandson. To see my son, my my uh, my daughter. Like I don't, I don't like using the yeah, my daughter. Yeah, yeah. 100%. See my daughter. Yeah, and, I, and and to see my grandson. So that to me, right, this very moment in my lifetime, you know, me coming up in your driveway, seeing you, and seeing Roman and seeing Lydia, got me on cloud nine. Because yeah. you know what? It's like my dad would say. Like dad would say, you know, when I had you. The Grady name continues. Yeah. I mean, when you when and when it happens, you think about it until the day it happens, when it happens, and you more important when you see it, that's the validation. Yeah. What I know I said that's last question. This is the last for sure. Sure. <laughs> what? Cause I know now what it feels like to first see your son. What is it? What is that feeling like? to see your son's son. Man, it's the greatest thing. I mean, it, it is, I always talk about um, when you had, I had, we had Charity first and then I had you. 
And I remember opening the book of Joshua and seeing the writing from a daughter with a smiling face and it was a boy. Mm. And I knew what your name was going to be at that time, right? Yeah. And then I come here today. We talked about it. You talked to me about what his name, you're reading the book of Romans and what his name was going to be. Right. So I prayed on that as well, right? Make sure that was right in my mind. Yeah. That my son, even though it was my, not my decision, but to embrace what you did. Yeah. And, and, and then to see the greater legacy name continue. I mean, come on. My dad, your grandfather would say the following. He would always say to me how proud he was of me. Mm. How truly proud he was of me. And I always say, Dad, you have no idea. I'm so proud of you. You didn't have a, your dad didn't have a sixth grade education. Retired when he was 58 years old. Had over a quarter million dollars in the bank. Retired and was living. It was great. Yeah. And I was more proud of him than he knew. But he always used to say how proud he was of me. I didn't understand what position or where he truly came from. Until now. Until now. Yeah. That's good. That's cool. That's true. Yeah. Uh, one verse that stuck with me. You, I think you like this. So, and I don't even know if you know this. I talked about this. Me and Liv recorded an episode. If y'all haven't listened to it, check it out. We talked about delivery. Have you heard anything about our eights? I don't know if you have. No, talk to me. Okay. So, when I first told Liv that I loved her. I did it. Huh? You did? I did. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Okay. So I'll, I'll read. Tell the story. Yeah. Tell the so story. When I, I do know. When I first told her I love it, this was graduation. Right. Was May 8th, 2015. I was there. When we first started dating, it was February 8th, 2017. Chance was born February, or April 8th, 2017. I proposed December 8th, 2018. Got married July 8th, 2019. Roman born April 8th, 2020. The room... He was born in was room 3308. The number eight in the Bible signifies a new beginning, a new chapter. It's eight, like the eighth day eighth of the week. Gotcha. New week. In particular, I like this verse here. I think you'll like it. This is Romans 4:8. So Romans born on April 8th, 4:8. It says, Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. Amen. And that, like the whole summation, you know. If it doesn't go back to God, it's meaningless for me. Gotcha. And, you know, blessed is the man. Like, when I look at Roman, right. that's what I think. God did not hold my failures, right. my sins. Nothing against you. Nothing. Nothing. And he's just like, here you go. And that, that goes back to my thing with my understanding of forgiveness. I forgave seven times. And God said, why not forgive 77 times? Because for his ability to forgive us. Endless. Endless. Yeah. And that's the whole point. It's yeah. endless. You know, I love you, Junior. Right? I love you too. Okay. Uh anything else you got? Before we get a little too too emotional up there? No, we're good. It's good in the morning, it's cold. Yeah, it is. Okay. <clears throat> it, it's cold, but I just wanna thank you for allowing me to come on tonight. I'm sure you'll be on again. Well yeah. if Lord's will, right? Yeah, Lord willing. Yeah, it, but it, for us sitting together. We haven't done this in a while. Yeah. But more importantly, just sitting together and speaking truth. You know, without boundaries. That's a blessing. Yeah. You know sure. what I mean? Mm -hmm. That means you, you can be open and honest and direct. That's how you should live your life. Yeah. That's not arrogance. That's just being forthright like God would want. No question. Be humble in nature, but understand the truth. Yeah. That's good. That's a good word. Well, we are here. 
Woods O'Grady on the mic. This is Agent Talk. Hope y'all received some. If y'all got any fruit from this, received anything, please share it with a friend. Put it out. Any questions at all, hit me up at Agent Talk, at Agent Grady. Underscore, my pops is not on social media because he says he doesn't do that. He currently has a non-iPhone. I've been trying to get him to get one for some years now. No, no. But it's all good. Not going um, to the dark side. Yeah, but this is great. Uh, like I said, this is Agent Talk. And as always, we out.